Well, hello, Northside family. Like Nate said, my name is Jacob, and I have the honor of serving on our student team here. But today, I'm just grateful. Um, I'm grateful that you chose to spend some of your weekend with us. I'm grateful that I had the chance just to, to grow up here. And most importantly, I'm grateful that right now we, we get to learn together about conflict. I don't know if you've been with us the past few weeks. We've been going through the series called Deal With It. And Michael Chanley, he's on our team here. He said it perfectly. This has been a timely series because we have been going through um, a, a little bit of some conflict in, in our world. And maybe you've experienced conflict in ways we haven't even talked about yet. But it is so important that we deal with it because all around us, things are dealing with us. And specifically today, we're going through this topic that um, it's a conflict that we don't maybe think about all the time. We don't even address it all the time, but it is all around us. We are all experiencing it and we are talking about situational conflict. And when I say that, um, you might be thinking, I have no idea what you mean right now. And here's how I'm going to put it for you today. Situational conflict is when the situation you are experiencing is different than the one that you expected. It's when you, you thought things were going to go this way, you were hoping things were going to go this way, your expectation was here, but then reality hits or, or, or an experience hits and it's completely different. Um, in easy terms, I'm just going to say this, when life isn't going the way you thought, hope, or expected. And I can tell you right now, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've stepped back from a situation and I've said, oh, okay, uh, life isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I remember a, a few years ago, uh, it was Mother's Day. And it was this specific Mother's Day. For some reason, I just wanted to really honor my mom. Now, caveat, you should always want to honor your mom. But for me, on this specific day, I said, Jacob, you have to just make your mom feel like a million bucks. You have to do something for her that's going to be amazing. And so it's Sunday morning. She's getting ready. Her, her hair is done, her makeup's done, she has a dress on, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? And I walk out into my kitchen, and there in the kitchen, on the counter, I see some cupcakes, and I say, this is genius. Mother's Day calories don't count, so whatever she eats today, it's free, she can do what she wants to. I'll bring it in there for her and be like, mom, fresh cooked, which was a lie, but I was gonna bring it to her anyways, and she's just gonna love it. We're gonna laugh, she's gonna laugh. I'm gonna get extra allowances, it's going to be awesome. And so I grab the cupcake, I make my way down the hall, and I, I open the door to her room, and for some reason, the first thing I do is I start singing Happy Mother's Day to the tune of Happy Birthday. Uh, it's weird, but it's what I did. And I'm like, Happy Mother's Day to you. And by the way, this was working. Like I, I'm going in there, and mom looks at me, and she gives me one of these looks, where she's like, <laughs> Jacob, I'm just so proud of you. I love you. And I'm like, mom, I love you too. And I'm walking towards her. And as I'm bringing the cupcake up to her and I'm getting closer to her and the song's ending, I think, Jacob, you have a chance here to make this a memorable, a memorable Mother's Day that no one will ever forget. And I think you should take this cupcake and smash it into your mom's face. She is going to love it. Now, do you hear that? It's the sound of mother's everywhere across Southern Indiana, not mad at me, but disappointed in me. Like you can, you can hear it everywhere. And so I'm going closer and I'm like, she's going to love this. It's going to be delicious for her because she can just eat it off her face. She, she, she's going to be like, oh, Jacob, this is such a funny joke. Let's go to church. And so I'm going up. I'm like, there is no downside. And I sing happy Mother's Day too. And I turn my hand and just go pow. And I say, you and shove it in her face. And I'm stepping back saying, I'm so proud of myself. I'm like, hug me, mom. Like this was such an amazing thing. And my sweet, sweet mother 
on Mother's Day of all days starts to cry. She burst out crying. And I stepped back and said, oh, this is not how I expected this situation to go. I was expecting to go this way. She went this way. My dad walks out and says, Jacob, what did you do? And I say, I just shoved a cupcake in her face. What's the big deal? Oh, I, like, I had a moment where I said, that, that was a problem. Now, here's the deal. Um, it was memorable. We still talk about it to this day. And that was a moment for me where expectation and reality did not go together. And it's a funny example, but maybe in your life, you're experiencing some situational conflict that's not so funny. And you're going through some things right now where you expected it to be one way, but now that you're experiencing it, you're saying, I, I don't know what to do because the reality is so much harder. And it could be something with your job where you just go to your job every single day and you think, I, I thought I had expected, I had hoped, but by now I would like it more. I had hoped, but by now, all the work I did, all the college I went through, everything I've sacrificed for this company or this agency, that they would respect me more and they'd pay me more. And it's just not happening. And there's this divide between what's going on and what you expected. Maybe for you, the situational conflict with your job is you just don't even have one yet. And you thought, man, I, I thought I'd go right out and get a job. I thought someone would hire me. I thought things would be different, but for some reason, it's not happening for me. And you're asking this question right now, what do I do? Maybe it's your money and you thought maybe uh, you'd have more by now and you thought that you'd make the right investments or you'd save up. I remember when I was younger, I just thought everyone, I thought my parents had tens of millions of dollars. I just thought, oh, everybody has to have millions of dollars. And I'm finding out <laughs> that's not true. And maybe you're in that situation where you're thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money. The, the, the reality is this way and my expectation was this way. Maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you have a lot right now. And you thought the more you'd get, maybe eventually you would feel happy. And the more you get, the more empty you feel. And you think, what do I do? Maybe it's not your money, your job. Maybe it's your family. You thought you would have one. You thought that you would have at least a girlfriend or a boyfriend right now. Maybe even a fiance, but you don't have any of that. You just are alone and that's not what you expected or hoped for. Maybe you're leading your family through some times that you never thought you'd have to go through and that's a tough reality. Maybe, maybe there's just something about a family that you thought, I never thought this was going to happen. Or maybe if none of those hit you, I can just say one number, which is 2020. And you're like, oh yeah, there's a little bit of situational conflict in 2020 this year. I don't think any of you woke up on January 1st and was like, ah, pandemic year, I can feel it, right? Like I expect it this year. And right now things are being canceled that you had hoped for. I work with the students. So I talked to a lot of seniors who had things ripped from them. And they, they couldn't go to prom, they couldn't go to graduation. They had all this work to lead up to their last semester. Now it's gone and they're saying, man, I thought I was going to end high school different. Maybe had a vacation taken away. And to other people, that's not a big deal. But for you, you're like, I needed that. If I didn't have that vacation, I don't know how I'm gonna get through the next week. I just needed to disconnect. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe life just in a whole was supposed to go this way. And every day you wake up to a harsh reality that it's going this way. And you're asking this question, what do I do? And here's the good news. We aren't the first people who have asked that question before. And even in this uh, book of the Bible that we're going through, Philippians, Paul talks about it. 
and he addresses it. And so we're gonna be in Philippians 4 today, verses 10 through 13. And I love to tell our high school, middle school students, if you have a Bible, to read it with me. So that way, you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. It's actually in there. Um, And here's what Paul says in verse 10. He starts it off and he says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me. Again, I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, before we go any further, let's get some context. He is writing to them, thanking them for a financial gift that they gave him. And I'm excited for next week, Nate, to talk more about that. But this week, I just need you to know that is what he is addressing. And he goes on in verse 11 and he says this. He says, not that I was ever in need. That's how he starts verse 11. Not that I was ever in need. Now, if you don't know Paul's story, you could read that and say, cool, this guy seems pretty blessed. But when you know Paul's story, that sentence right there starts to raise some alarms in us. I'm gonna give you a quick history of who he was and some of the things that he went through. He started, the first time we meet Paul in the Bible, he's actually at the execution of a Christian, just nodding approvingly. The next time we meet him, he is on a road on the way to go find Christians in a different town so that he can put them in jail and he can have them hopefully executed. And in in that time, God blinds him for three days and he sits and he doesn't eat or drink. And even that one moment, I'm like, Paul, I think um, you had a little bit of need, the need for sight in that moment. You, You had some need for help. You couldn't find food or water, but he says, I've never been in need. He becomes a Christian and starts a missionary journey and he goes from town to town, I was even reading this morning in my own study and it says that he goes to a town and he gets beaten with wooden rods. I'm like, you might have some need in that moment. He gets thrown in jail. He he goes from town to town. One of my favorite stories in the Bible to tell our middle schoolers is that he goes to one town and they hate him so much that they throw him out. And then he goes to the next town and the people from the first town, here he's in the next town, follow him and throw him out. Like that is not a awesome life. He goes to another town and they spit in his face and they mock him. He, he gets arrested. In one town, he gets stoned and they, they stone him so much that they think he's dead. They drag him out to the edge of town. He gets up and walks back in. At one point, he gets put on a ship as a prisoner. The boat wrecks. He is shipwrecked. He is out at sea. He eventually washes up on an island. He's collecting firewood and he gets bit by a snake. And I'm like, Paul, you had some need. The other day, I was cleaning out the gutters in my house and I was up on a ladder and I grabbed a big, hunk of gunk, if you want to say. I just grabbed a huge thing and I just threw it onto the ground and I looked down at the ground and crawling out of the junk that I just threw was a snake, all right? And they don't tell you that stuff when you buy a house. They're not like, oh, you have three bathrooms, five gutter snakes. They don't tell you that, all right? They just, they just, that's not in the, the listing. And so I'm looking at it. In that moment, I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know what to do. And Danielle, my wife, she goes, what do we do? And I say, I need something. She goes, what? A realtor, all right? Like I need to move. If there's gutter snakes sharing this residence with us, we are out. And Paul says, after all the stuff he was going through, I was never in need. And if that's not enough for you, he is writing this letter. Think about this. While he is writing that sentence, he is in jail. He has chains on his hands. And he says this, not that I was ever in need. And my question says, how? Tell me how you did that. And he goes on, and this is what the rest of 11 says. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I 
have. Now I read that and I think I'm, that is so good to know that. And I focus on one word. And usually I would focus on the word content, which is a good word to focus on. Honestly, if you look at that word and, and you go into the Greek, you find out that's the only time in the New Testament that that specific word for content is used. And it's this idea of, of satisfaction regardless of circumstance. That you can be okay regardless of what's happening around you. It's this idea of independent resourcefulness. So that no matter what you're going through, you have something within you that's going to propel you through it. And I think that's good to focus on, but I think more importantly, the word I wanna focus on that we should focus on so we can learn together today is this. I have learned that Paul says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And I think that's so important because we don't have to learn things that come natural to us. No one sat me down and said, Jacob, here's how you blink, okay? Up, down, up. No one said that. That was natural to me. And I don't think contentment is a natural human response in this world. I think comfort is. I don't think we have to learn how to be comfortable. I think when you lay down, you're not like, oh, I need to learn how to situate myself. You know how to be comfortable, but contentment is something that we have to teach ourselves. It is a discipline that we have to learn and it's not natural. And if you don't believe me, you can look at the rest of the Bible. Look at the first two humans on earth, Adam and Eve. They had everything. Eden is described as a paradise, but for them, they still didn't have enough. And there was a moment where they say, I need a little bit more and they go and eat the forbidden fruit. I look at David. He was the most powerful king of the most powerful nation at that time. His military was owning everyone. He had the favor of the Lord. He had riches. But for him, he says, I don't have enough. I have to have her. And I think that happens because contentment is not a natural human response to our situations. Comfort is but contentment is not. We have to learn how to do it. And it's countercultural. Contentment is countercultural. In fact, Paul's gonna talk about this in that next verse, because he's gonna say this. If you read uh, Philippians 4.12 with me, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And when I first read that verse, I say, okay, Paul, obviously you look at that very first line, I know how to live on almost nothing with everything. I say, obviously you know how to live on almost everything. Like that, that's when you're happy, when you have everything. It's, it's the nothing that I wanna understand. And I think what Paul's trying to tell us right here is that he had to learn to be content in both situations. He had to know what contentment looked like when he had nothing and then maybe even harder at times. He had to learn what contentment looked like when he had everything. And I think what he's saying is contentment is not something that you can just gain. It's not something that you can just add to what you have. You, you can't look at contentment and say, if I can just get this, then I'll have enough. If I can just add this to, to what I have, then I'll have enough. It's not something you can gain. I think about um, Apple, the technology giant, and, and how they use this um, to get us to buy stuff, honestly. The, the first time that they had a phone come out was 13 years ago. And since that day, the first phone came out, 
13 years ago, they have had 17 different iPhone releases come out. Now, some of them might be different editions, some of them might just be different sizes, but, but think about this. That means, on average, more than once a year, a phone is coming out. And for me, I, I, would, I would get the iPhone, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I have a computer in my pocket, this is amazing. And then they'd come out with the next one, they'd say stuff like, this one has a bigger screen. I'd say, oh, bigger screen. I need that one. If I can just get that one, then I'll be happy. And then they said, you have the bigger screen now, but now this one has no headphone jack. I was like, no headphone jack. If I can just get that one, then I'm gonna be happy. And then they said, you have no headphone jack, but now this one has no home button. And I said, if I can get that one. And what's gonna be next? Eventually you're gonna have one where you press a button and it turns into a car. It's gonna be amazing, right? I don't know what's coming next, but they're always going to have a next. And here's what I think Paul's trying to tell us. He's saying the temptation is for us to say, if I can just gain a little more, if I can just add a little more, if I can just get that next thing, I'll finally be happy. This is gonna come out in a lot of different ways. For some of you right now, if the thing that you're most discontent with in your life is your loneliness and your singleness, you're gonna say, if I can just get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, then I'll be happy. Then they'll take all my problems away. Then it'll be okay. If I can just get a promotion, if I can just get maybe, you know, 5,000 more dollars added on, like that, that would be so amazing. And then finally I'll be happy. If I could just get that next video game console that comes out, then finally I'm gonna be happy. If I could just do this, if I could just do this. And here's what Paul's trying to tell us. If you're always chasing the next thing, there's always gonna be a next thing. And you're never gonna find contentment. You're never gonna find this idea of satisfaction regardless of circumstance. And you know why? Because in that mindset, we're only focused on the things around us. We're only looking at the things around us. We're only looking at what we're going through, what we have, who is around us. And Paul nails it in verse 13. He says this, if you wanna read it with me, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe your version says this, for I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Both are excellent ways to say this idea. When it comes to contentment, it is completely, it is so much about what is within you as opposed to what is surrounding you at that moment. It is all about who is in your heart, what you are doing with it, then what is going on and the circumstances you are facing. Paul says, when I had a lot, I chose Jesus. Paul says, when I had a little, I chose Jesus. Paul says, when my stomach was empty, I still chose Jesus. Paul says, when my stomach was full, I still chose Jesus. And that is how I learned to be content. Because no matter what happened, I decided to choose Jesus. Now I wanna make something very clear here. And that just because Paul says that you can be content, um, I don't think that gives us an excuse to be complacent. Let me, let me make sure you hear that because Paul says this. He says, you, you can be content within any situation. He doesn't say that. He says, you can be content in any situation, not just with it. Um, Abby Ahrens, who works on our student team, she told me that. She wrote that down for me and I was like, oh my gosh, it changed my whole mind because that means that sometimes you might be in a situation that you can be content in and not at all content with. 
and the spirit might move you to do something. He might say, you should move this way. You should challenge this person. You should change this. You should confess. You should move, move, move. He might prompt you. And I don't think that makes you discontent. I think it just makes you a Christian because you're gonna listen to what the spirit is telling you to do. And you might not be content with the situation, but my goodness, you can say, I'm okay in the situation because I have Jesus. I know that this is way easier uh, to say than it is to do it. And it's easy for me to just say like, oh, go do this this week and it's gonna be a big deal. But man, I, I just know that if we start to do these things, if we start to choose Jesus over anything else, things are gonna change in our life. John 10, 10, it says it plainly. It says that he has come to bring life and he has come to bring it to the full. And I think right now with situational conflict, that's what we want, right? When a situation doesn't go like we expected it, we're saying, man, I just wish I had life and I wish it was full. I wish there was something within me that just gave me satisfaction. And that's what can happen when regardless of any situation, you choose Jesus and things are gonna start to change. If you're someone who thinks contentment is gained and you've been struggling with that for a long time, maybe you didn't even know you were struggling with it. But now that we've talked about it, you think, oh man, I had a lot and I'm always looking for more and that for some reason, it just wasn't making me happy. What you can do is you can move from this idea of what's next. Maybe you struggle a little bit with this idea of entitlement and you're gonna move to this idea of gratefulness. You can move from this, I want more. I'm in, I need this, I deserve this. I have to have this. To all of a sudden you're gonna move to gratefulness. And when you get something, you'll say, oh my goodness, God, you are so good. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift that comes from above, that is you. But if you don't get something, you can say this, I'm okay in my situation because I have Jesus. Doesn't matter if I don't get the next thing, it's okay. Jesus has me, he's gonna take care of me. You might be somebody who right now, you just deal with disappointment and if someone had to ask you how to describe your life, you would say, it's just marked by disappointment. And that's actually turned you cynical. And you look at every single person with this idea of, well, you'll just let me down. Well, this isn't gonna go that way. Well, it's, it's not gonna work out. It's exhausting. And if that's you, I'm really sorry. Let me say this, if you start to choose Jesus over these disappointing situations, things are gonna change for you and you're gonna change from disappointed and cynical all the time to, to being able to be joyful regardless of anything that happens. You might be disappointed in a person and you just dwell on that every day. You say, man, if they just wouldn't have done this, if they just wouldn't have let me down. But when you have Jesus, you say, you know what? You let me down. Let's work on it. I have Jesus. This situation let me down. I thought I was gonna get this and I didn't. It's okay. I've got Jesus. I've got something greater than this world. Maybe for you, every day you just look at the news, you hop on Twitter, you get on your newspaper, you go on the TV, you go on the internet, whatever it is. And you look at it and you just say this, man, this, this life is hopeless. <laughs> What's the point? Like I, every day there's just bad news everywhere. Oh my goodness, another story coming out. Oh my goodness, another bad report. What am I supposed to do? And you at this point are just feeling hopeless. Let me tell you, if you start to choose Jesus over every news report, 
If you start to choose Jesus over every scary thing, those scary things aren't gonna go away, but it's gonna change the way you view them. And you're not gonna be hopeless anymore, but you're gonna move to this place where you can say, I am hopeful because I have Jesus. And the hope that Jesus brings isn't just for a moment. That is a hope for eternity. It's a big deal. This is so good because the situations aren't gonna change. Situations that come your way aren't, aren't gonna change. You're gonna, they're, they're always gonna be new situations for you. You might be watching this right now and the next thing that happens is you're gonna get a phone call and it's a bad situation. What do you do? You might be watching this right now and, and you leave and something awesome happens to you. What are you gonna do? Those situations are always gonna come at you. What's gonna change is the way you view them. And the way you view them is this, I have Jesus. So whatever happens, I know I can be content because he is within me. And then you're gonna be the one dealing with it. You and the spirit are gonna be the ones dealing with it because it won't be able to deal with you because you have Jesus. Where we're gonna go um, next is we're gonna head into a time of communion. And you're still at home, so feel free to grab some like Cheez-Its or a Coca-Cola or whatever it is for you. But I want you to, to think in this moment it, and what's gonna come this week. What is the thing that you're looking forward to this week that you are saying, man, if this can just happen, I'm gonna be okay. What I want you to do in this community time is I want you to bring it to the cross. That's what communion is. We're bringing ourselves to this moment of the cross to say, Jesus, you are greater, you are bigger. And right now we're gonna say this, Jesus, you are greater and bigger than any situation that's gonna come my way this week. Think about your week. And as you take communion here, give it to Jesus. Let me read this prayer. And maybe you need to read it out loud too as we head to communion. It says, Jesus, we need you. You are the only one that knows the desire of our hearts. As we look at your life, death and resurrection, help us reflect on our hearts and minds with complete honesty and humility. When we were dead in our sin, you provided a way and made us righteous in you. Gracious Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us look to you as provider in every situation. Jesus, you are and always will be enough. May that be your prayer this week as we deal with it. Let's take communion as a church across many different homes.